Hey, welcome to Healthy and Empowered Living. I'm your host, Lauren Joyce, and I'm so excited to be with you today. I am passionate about helping women just like you ditch the diet culture and transform your body from the inside out without feeling selfish or taking up all your time. I believe living healthy can be simple and fun and ultimately allow you to deepen your relationship with God and walk more fully in the purposes He has for you. I've been where you are now. I've tried the diets and even got to my goal weight, but it left me feeling just as empty, insecure, and unfulfilled as I was before. It wasn't until I drew closer to God that I experienced that true confidence I was after. So grab your Bible, notebook, and coffee and get ready to finally experience joy and freedom in your health journey. You get to decide what health looks like for you. Like really, you get to decide. You get to decide what you do or what you don't do. You get to decide what your goals are, what your vision is. You get to decide what choices you make for your health that are going to support the vision of who you want to be. Again, you get to decide what your health looks like and how that's going to work for you. Now, for some of you, you may hear that and that might be terrifying. It'd be a really scary thought. Maybe you've liked the idea of being told exactly what to do and when to do it because it seems easier. It seems like being handed a plan and told to follow it is exactly what you need. But does it work though? If you've tried all the different diet and workout plans that are out there and haven't been able to make any of them stick, I'd like to challenge your idea that following a plan And being told exactly what to do is what's going to work for you. Because here's what I found. The reason it doesn't work is because it doesn't really build up any competence within yourself, any confidence for you to do it on your own down the road. You know, when your time following that plane is up or when you are facing an obstacle or when you are going through different seasons of life, whether they're slow seasons, busy seasons, stressful seasons, whatever it is. When you are the one who has decided what your health looks like and what kind of plan you are following, then you will be able to navigate those obstacles and those various seasons of life without any problems. But if you're relying on someone to give you exactly what you need to do and they're not also going through these different obstacles or seasons of life, they're going to expect you to stick to the plan and you may not be able to because of the circumstances around you. And that's okay because, again, you get to decide what health looks like for you. Now, why is this important to understand? Because the truth is that you will go through different seasons of life. You know, you're going to have kids at different ages, newborns, infants, teenagers that you can't wake up on the weekends, um, different sports seasons for your kids. Or if you like to participate in sports, you know, you're going to have summer time where school is out or holiday season that's extra busy or stressful seasons where you're working or seasons where you're not working, you know, all the things like that. And knowing what works for you and your health and what doesn't work during certain seasons will allow you to adjust your plans, your goals, your expectations for what's realistic and attainable without completely derailing your long-term vision of who you want to be and what you want your life to look like. Now, this might feel very overwhelming to think about and and to try and decide what you want your health to look like. And I will say it does take a little bit of clarity for sure. What I mean by clarity is just the knowledge of the what, what to do or what to try out next or what you need to do in order to adapt 
um, through obstacles or through different seasons. And what I want to do is I want to break it down to three simple areas to pursue clarity around living a healthy and empowered life. Now, I call these my three pillars of joyful health, and it's actually exactly what I use when I'm working with clients inside my coaching program. So these three areas are mindful nutrition, joyful movement, and spiritual growth. Now, on my journey, I began researching and learning the things that I needed to know about healthy eating and exercise that really worked for me. In order to begin making better choices and being disciplined around my habits, I first had to know what to do, and in contrast, what not to do. I had to figure out strategies around breaking negative cycles, replacing certain habits, dealing with emotions in healthy ways, you know, all the things. And when it came to my spiritual growth and my walk with the Lord, I had to fill my head with more and more truth from the word, the Bible, so I could discern the lies of the enemy and not fall into those traps of thinking. The more I knew about God, the more I wanted to know about him and ultimately the more I wanted him. Okay, I'll come back to more of that later, but for now, let's start off with mindful nutrition. Before I talk about mindful nutrition, I want to paint a quick picture of what you probably have heard of or experienced with dieting or healthy eating. It may be things like, it's restrictive, you have constant cravings, it's hard to stick to, it takes time to plan, it can cost a lot of money depending on which diet you follow or supplements you might need to go with it. Your family isn't always doing the same thing or isn't on board with what you are doing. Does that resonate with you at all? Those were my thoughts and feelings many years ago when I discovered a new way to eat healthier. See, when I started my mindful eating journey, I was afraid I would still feel frustrated and overwhelmed. I didn't think I'd be able to do it, but after just a short while, I realized that I was way overthinking it. So let's break it down a bit. What does mindfulness mean? It simply means being fully present in what you're doing. So mindful eating then is being present and fully aware of your eating, the food you're consuming, how it makes you feel, learning to really listen to your body. So the biggest lesson I learned through my mindful eating journey is to be more aware of how foods make me feel, which helps me be able to make more informed choices about what I'm eating. For example, when I drink too much coffee, I feel really jittery and I can't focus. Therefore, I don't want to do that anymore. Or when I eat a ton of sugary sweets, I tend to feel sluggish. I get a stomachache a lot of the times. Therefore, I don't want to do that anymore. On a positive side, you know, when I eat more nutritious foods, like a ton of fruits and veggies, good sources of proteins, things like that, I tend to feel really good. I feel full. I feel my energy levels are even throughout the day. I don't experience tummy troubles, things like that. And I want more feelings like that. So I tend to eat those foods that produce the results I enjoy. So being aware and recognizing how your body and your mind reacts to the things you put inside it is so important for this process of mindful nutrition. Now I want to get practical here with three ways you can start practicing. And I'll make a note too that there's many different ways to practice this. So don't think that like these three things are it. Remember, you get to decide. I just want to give you a couple examples. So the first one, and this is both all three of these are things that I take my clients through when I'm helping them practice their mindful nutrition. So the first one is eat when your body says it's hungry, not when the clock says that it's time. So for example, one way you could practice this is when you wake up in the morning, if you're not feeling hungry yet, don't eat breakfast right away, even if that's typically what you do. If you 
normally eat dinner at a certain time, like right when you get home from work or right when your husband gets home from work or whatever, have dinner ready. The kids need to eat, feed the kids. And if you're not quite hungry yet, don't eat yet. Now, the reason this is so important is because it allows you to really focus in and start learning your hunger and full cues. What I mean by that is simply recognizing when your body is physically hungry and when your body is not hungry or when it's full. Now, the other reason this is important is because it allows you to practice making food choices when you are feeling hungry. So how many times do you, are if you're like super, super hungry and you go to the kitchen and you just want to pick this, the easiest, closest thing, right? And you don't really put a lot of thought probably into the choice that you're making or what food you're what food you're choosing because you're hungry and all you're thinking about is putting food in your body. And so being able to practice this idea of eating when you're hungry, not because the clock says it so, and practicing learning what your hunger and full cues feel like to you allows you to be able to practice making those food choices um, in those moments when you are really hungry. Now, I don't recommend jumping straight to trying to make your best food choices when you are really hungry. What I typically recommend to clients is if they are practicing this, say for breakfast, when you wake up in the morning, if you're not hungry, but you would typically eat breakfast right away, choose what you're going to have for breakfast. So if you're going to have yogurt and fruit, then you know that in your head, you've already made that decision. And then later on in the morning, when you are feeling hungry, you say, okay, it's time for my yogurt and fruit now. Hopefully that makes sense. So the second way that you can practice mindful eating is paying attention to your emotions around food. So this is going to be asking yourself things like, am I eating because of an emotion such as stress, anger, sadness, boredom, something along those lines? Or am I eating because I am physically feeling hunger? Now this one kind of goes hand in hand with the previous one because you really have to be able to recognize your physical hunger if you are then going to try and recognize times where you may be wanting food, but it's not because of physical hunger, right? So an example for me when I was going through my journey is that I really discovered that in the afternoon after I put my kids down for a nap, I was always craving food. Now, our schedule was pretty strict at the time that I was discovering this, and we literally ate lunch, they went down for a nap, and then I would come out from laying them down for their naps, And I could not figure out why, because clearly I was not still hungry because I had just eaten lunch. So I started thinking about, okay, what emotions am I feeling that is causing me to want to go to the kitchen and grab a snack, even though I'm not hungry? And after sitting and processing and really thinking about this, I realized that I was experiencing this loneliness, which seemed outrageous to me because I'm with my kids all morning, really all day, and putting them down for naps is the only time that I have a break from them. How could I experience loneliness when all I want is a break from them? But for me, the reality was it wasn't a loneliness because I was being alone or I was physically alone. It was a loneliness of not being able to connect on an adult level. Now, I know all the moms listening can relate to that. So that's what I was experiencing. So once I was able to recognize that, uh, instead of going to the kitchen and eating a snack and not dealing with the fact that I was feeling lonely... You know, I would call my husband, call a friend, call my mom, you know, I would find other ways to fill this feeling of loneliness instead of with food. So that's an example that comes up for me. Now, I do want to say that eating and experiencing an emotion at the same time is not bad. Where it becomes an issue is 
when A, you're looking to food to fill a void or solve a problem that food wasn't meant to solve, or B, eating is the only way you are coping with a particular emotion. And again, this takes a lot of awareness and recognizing, hence the mindful part of mindful nutrition. Unfortunately, you can't begin changing anything or even know what to change unless you are aware and have clarity around where there might be problems, right? So the last practical step I want to give you that that you can start implementing to practice this uh, mindful nutrition is don't eat while distracted. In my program with my clients, I call it no EWD. So this means being fully present with your food, you know, savoring each bite, not mindlessly stuffing food in your mouth while you're watching TV, scrolling on your phone, or getting work done. Eating while distracted can cause you to either overeat or undereat a lot of times because you're not paying full attention to how much you're eating most of the time if you're distracted. So some examples that I think of for this are if you are in the habit of watching TV during dinner at night, or if you find yourself scrolling on your phone during breakfast, or if you eat at your desk for lunch and you just kind of keep working through lunch. So now when you're implementing this one, I always like to say to start small. So starting small, like one meal a day or, you know, a few meals a week or whatever it's going to be. You know, if the habit that you're trying to break is TV during dinner, you know, maybe you say, okay, two nights this week, we're going to not watch TV while we're eating dinner. If you feel like it's realistic for you, you know, maybe dinner is your meal that you eat while you're not distracted. So you say, we're not going to do TV at all for dinner anymore whatever it is um, that's going to work for your family. Remember, you get to decide. So again, these are just a few ideas to get you started on your journey toward eating more mindfully um, and really beginning to learn and discover what your body needs and what your health needs for you to be eating more or less of and just becoming more aware of that. Okay, so next let's jump into joyful movement, which is really just exercise, right? Physical exercise. Now, exercise takes discipline and it takes effort and it's going to be hard at times. Physical exercise is just as much of an exercise in the mind as well to keep you pushing yourself to do more, to challenge yourself, right? Now, the reason I call this pillar joyful movement is because, again, you get to decide what you like. What type of movement or exercise do you enjoy doing, enjoy challenging your body with? And this will likely change or evolve over time depending on what else is going on in your life. But being committed to creating a routine of movement and exercise, whatever it looks like for you, will allow you to keep your body physically ready for whatever life throws your way. Whenever I think of this, I think of the story of Joshua and Jericho, right? Those people had to walk around an entire city for six days straight. I think it's estimated like a mile or two around the city. And then on the seventh day, they had to walk around it seven times. So I'll let you do the math there. But that's a long time walking. You know, they had to be ready to do that because God called them to. You know, if they had said, yeah, no, sorry, God, can't walk that far because I'm too out of shape. Like what would have happened, right? Sorry, that's totally a side note. So back on topic there. Exercise for me has really been a focus for most of my life. Um, But I've gone through different seasons of being more or less disciplined about what I do for exercise. I've gone through seasons of following a super rigid workout schedule and seasons where I just did what I felt like when I felt like doing it. And the funny thing is both of those seasons were hard in their own ways. When I was doing what I felt like, 
I would struggle to find motivation and fit in the workouts during my days. I was often way too lenient with myself. I didn't do as much as I wanted. Sometimes this led to beating myself up and getting frustrated, but over time with practice, I learned to really listen to my body for when it needed rest and needed certain kinds of exercise and also learned to give myself some grace. Seasons of following a rigid schedule are hard because I have really high expectations of myself to do what I need to do when I need to do it, regardless of how I feel. I'm not really one to take flexibility in a routine easily, but I've definitely learned during these times of se- these types of seasons that although I am following a plan, it's still okay to listen to my body and, and give it the rest it needs and be a little flexible when I have to. So on a practical side here, I want to lay out three steps that you can take toward experiencing joyful movement in your life. So the first one is cultivating a desire for it. Because the reality is you may have very little desire to be physically active or do hard workouts or whatever. So with this, I challenge you to seek the Lord and his truth about what he's calling you to for exercising and taking care of your body. Because the truth is I can't tell you what to do or what not to do. Like I want you to be seeking the Lord first and see what he is calling you to do. I do want to say to be careful in what you are choosing to do for exercise and this in cultivating this desire of it, because you may go through different seasons of busyness. Like I've talked about before, where your exercise is going to look different and that's okay. But I also want to point out that exercise, it really can become an idol at times. And so making sure to be aware of that and be careful of your mindset and your priorities when it comes to scheduling exercise and movement into your life. I also want to talk here about having a vision, creating a goal or a vision for yourself of why you want to exercise, like really thinking about the big picture, your long-term goals, you know, all the things, Um, you know, whether it be keep up with kids, grandkids, run a 5k or a marathon, lift heavy things, maybe something like living without pain, whatever it might be for you, having that vision, that goal in mind to remind yourself of why you are doing this will help you in cultivating that desire for exercise, for joyful movement. The next step is learning and trying. So learn what types of exercise you need to reach your vision and your goals. You know, this is going to come through researching. Google is a powerful tool, right? Um, You may hire a personal trainer, whatever it is, that is going to help you learn what it is you need to do to pursue the vision and goals that you have for yourself. And then think too about what what kind of activity you enjoy. Because when you enjoy something, like truly enjoy it, you'll be much more likely to do it even on the hard days when you don't feel like it. And you're not going to dread it all the time, right? And the last step is to have a plan, but be flexible with the plan. So you want to know what your plan is going to be. How many times a week do you want to exercise and for how long? And is that realistic with your current schedule? Like these are all questions that I ask my clients when they're thinking about adding exercise into their routines. And I always like to say the more specific, the better. Like if you're going to wait until your alarm goes off at 5 a.m. to decide what kind of workout you're going to do, how likely is it to actually happen? Not very, I'm guessing. Not if it were me. I always like to say, if you don't find a plan, you're going to find an excuse. That being said, it's always important to be able to be flexible too, right? You may have a night you didn't sleep well because the kids got sick or something came up with family or work and that you didn't expect. You know, you have to learn to adapt around those things and and 
reschedule that workout if possible, or make sure to give yourself some grace if it's not possible to get it done. I'll also add here that sometimes giving yourself a little extra rest when you've pushed hard during workouts, or maybe you're feeling particularly stressed or fatigued is totally okay. Your body probably needs it. But I also do want to challenge you not to let that become your regular excuse to not push yourself to do hard things. Okay, the last pillar for joyful health that I want to talk about is spiritual growth. Now, I talked extensively about why the Lord has to be the foundation of your healthy living in last week's episode called Confidence Doesn't Mean Doing All the Right Things All the Time. So if you haven't already listened to that, go there after you finish listening to this episode. That being said, I want to focus today on the practice of actually developing your relationship with the Lord through time with Him in quiet, in prayer, in the Bible. Being able to set this as your foundation, as your priority, allows you to successfully grow toward that healthy and empowered life you're seeking after. Not only does it keep your mind filled with truth and focused on what matters most, but it also helps you to continue on a path of uh, discipline and, and creating habits in other areas of your health. I know I've already said it several times before, but remember that you get to decide what healthy looks like for you. And a healthy spiritual life and relationship with God is no different. You can decide what your habits and routines will look like, what will help you grow most in your walk with the Lord. So for me, my quiet time with the Lord has to be first thing in the morning. That doesn't mean I don't read the Bible, pray, do anything to develop my relationship with the Lord other times of the day, but I have that morning time no matter what. Because I love the quiet of the early morning before my family gets up where I can just sit and be with the Lord and pray and read and worship whatever I feel led to do that day. Now, it hasn't always been that way. Believe it or not, I hated mornings just a few years ago. Might have had something to do with the young kids that I had, but that's a whole other story. But I knew that my relationship with the Lord was something important to me that I wanted to grow and develop. So I set out in that discipline to to get up early every single morning and to read the Bible. And it was super hard at first. I had to work hard every single morning to not go back to sleep or talk myself out of getting up to read. Eventually, seeing the fruit, you know, the work of the Lord in my life. That being said, the freedom of desiring this time with the Lord allows me to be flexible depending on my day or what season of life I'm walking in, like I had said before. But the bottom line is that continually growing deeper in relationship with the Lord is my number one priority, like above everything else in my life. And my prayer is that if you take nothing else from today's episode, that you hear this. When your relationship with the Lord is your number one priority, everything else will fall into place because he will begin to align you to his plans and purposes, and you will have a growing desire to walk in full obedience to all that he asks of you. Jesus is life and freedom and everything you need. Like no amount of getting healthy or eating right or physical exercise will ever replace the joy and hope and purpose of walking in relationship with the Lord. Okay, back on track. Practically speaking, what does this look like? It looks like making time for prayer and Bible study and worship. It means talking to God and listening to God and getting to know him and sharing what you're going through and feeling with him. It's a relationship after all, which takes time and intention and effort, but it also looks like a desire to constantly grow. Like our relationship with the Lord is meant to shape us and transform us. And that requires being growth-minded like open to changing, looking for change even. I will say that most of the time change isn't comfortable, probably the majority of the time, but we aren't made for comfort because it's in that discomfort that we grow. I'm guessing if you're listening to this though, 
you're looking to make changes, but struggling with the how part of it. I hope you're able to take some good practical tips from today's episode to get you started or keep you going on your journey wherever you're at today. So my final encouragement to you is to keep growing, keep seeking change, keep seeking Jesus first, and all these things will be added to you. I'd love to hear your thoughts on today's episode. So in the show notes, make sure you get my email address and send me a quick email. Let me know what you learned, what challenged you the most, and what area you're looking to grow in the most. Thanks for listening today. If you're loving what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you get notified of new episodes each week. And if you're not already a part of the Joyful Health for Christian Moms Facebook community, we'd love to have you. We aren't meant to do this thing alone, so come find the support and encouragement you need on your journey to healthy and empowered living. Also, if you're interested in working with me through my coaching program, you can book a free discovery call or email me to learn more. You'll find all the links to connect with me in the show notes. Until next time.